Hello, everyone. My name is David Beiruzzi, and I'm here with my colleague Sanjeev Krishnan. We're both software engineers on the Amazon Cognito Service team. We're here today to talk to you about end user identity and how you can effectively use Amazon Cognito to meet both your web and mobile app identity needs. So here's what you can expect from today's session. We're going to give you an overview of the Amazon Cognito service. Then we'll dive into some use cases. We'll introduce features. Um, we'll give you some scenarios where you might use those features, provide recommendations, and some do's and don'ts. Now, these scenarios fall into three categories. Security, where we'll talk about authentication and authorization. Simplicity, where we'll talk about how to easily integrate with our hosted UI, our social identity provider and corporate identity provider federation, and our end user migration. <clears throat> and finally, we'll have flexibility, where we talk about how you can easily integrate with your app, you can customize our authentication flows, and our UIs. We'll, if we have time, we'll do a couple of demos, and we'll close with a summary and give you a couple of resources so you can get started. Identity is really the key to most apps today. It's kind of the backbone for your app. And it's very important that you get it right. Once you've authenticated your user, you have a secure channel which you can access assets and your back end. And having a user profile enables you to kind of customize that user experience and to start a relationship with your customer. But if you guys have tried to do this before, you guys know there are a lot, a lot of dragons in the identity space. You need to put security first. Um, it's completely catastrophic, catastrophic if you have uh, security issues. You need to follow all the industry best practices, and you need to patch all your infrastructure. And while doing that, uh, you want to make it secure, but you also want to minimize user friction. So you don't want to go ahead and make a sign-up experience that affects your conversion. And you want to be ready for your app to trend, so you need to prepare for success, and you don't want to be caught without the necessary scale. Which is why we've created Amazon Cognito. So Amazon Cognito is a managed user directory that scales to hundreds of millions of users, gives you the standard user profile and sign-up and sign-in functionality. You can, um, if you don't want to sign up and sign in your users, you can have them federate in with social identity providers or corporate identity providers to kind of streamline that process. We provide a customizable hosted UI to allow you to integrate with your apps with just a few lines of code. If you need it, we can provide AWS credentials and roles with fine-grained permissions so that you can access AWS resources like S3 and Dynamo directly from your your, your app. And finally, um, we conform to various industry standards. So we support OpenID Connect, and we're OAuth 2 based, so you have easy integration with your third-party libraries and um, other providers. Here's some of the use cases that um, our customers use us for today. On the upper left, we have the business to consumer case. This is the standard case where you're making maybe a mobile game and you need to authenticate your users with a social provider or you want them to have a user profile and get tokens so that you can access your back end. We have the business to business uh, scenario where let's say that you're developing a SaaS application for HR and you want to um, provide this to several companies and they want to allow their employees to authenticate using Active Directory. We have the business to employee use case where let's say you have an internal app like uh, expense reporting, and you want to externalize that through a, a web or mobile app, um, you can have them authenticate with your Active Directory and, and get access. And finally, we have various IoT scenarios. So if you have IoT devices in the wild that need to send telemetry back up to the Amazon cloud through the AWS IoT service, we support that as well. So Amazon Cognito is really two services, and I put together this Venn diagram because um, uh, between the two services, there is some overlap. So the first is Cognito User Pools. Cognito User Pools is our standalone identity provider. And Federated Identity on the right side is our token vending machine for AWS credentials. For the duration of this presentation, I'm going to refer to Federated Identity as Identity Pools. So 
if you, want, if you use user pools, you get that sign up and sign in functionality with user profiles and OIDC, OpenID Connect tokens. We give you hosted UIs to get started quickly, and we support various standards there. With federated or identity pools, um, if, you, if you need anonymous guest access to your AWS resources, and you need AWS credentials, that's what you use. But between the two of them, we offer federation. So if you have an existing social provider or corporate identity provider that you want to use to federate your users in, you can do that with both. And um, because there's two services, and I've talked to a lot of people that are confused by these two services, um, I've found the best way to convey when to use which service is by putting it in terms of what you have and what you want. So you want to use user pools if you have end users who want to create and sign up for an account, or they have an existing account with a social or corporate identity provider. And you want us to go ahead and do that interaction with Facebook or with that Active Directory and obtain the token for them. So you use user pools if you want a managed, scalable, and secure user directory. You want to do that user authentication. You, you want to have user profiles with customizable claims. You want to provide OpenID Connect tokens and you want to do industry standard OAuth 2 flows. Also, you use user pools if you want a very simple integration with our serverless backend via API gateway. You'll use Cognito identity pools if you've already gotten the token for the user. So you've installed the Facebook SDK, you've done the handshake with Facebook, and you have a token. So the difference is between user pools and identity pools is user pools will go off and do that authentication for you in the back end with redirects, but with identity pools, you're responsible for coming to us with that authenticated token for the user. And it also supports unauthenticated users. So if you want for those, for those users AWS credentials to access AWS resources directly, um, from your mobile app, or you want role mapping. So let's say that you federated in and you have some group information in that federation token about who they, have, uh, who they are, maybe they're administrator, and you want to provide a custom role. You can do that with identity pools. Um, and you can use them together. So you can use user pools with identity pools. Basically, you can authenticate your user and then get AWS credentials for the user. And I have a, a quick... Uh, thing here that shows you how you do that. So your first step is to authenticate against Cognito user pools. User pools will do a bunch of redirects um, if you're federating in against the identity provider to prompt your end user to log in. Um, with the token that comes back from that identity provider, we will um, create a user profile and then exchange it for this very general Cognito user pool token, which we return back to your app. Uh, with that token, you can then talk to your serverless backend. And if you so desire, you can exchange that token for AWS credentials with Cognito identity pools, and then directly access AWS resources from your app. So let's, let's talk about our, our first theme here, uh, secure authentication and authorization. So real quickly, let's talk about our authentication flow with user pools. Every authentication attempt is a series of challenges that we present to your end user. If the end user answers all those challenges successfully, we'll issue tokens. So we support the standard flows of username and password. You can optionally put in multi-factor authentication if you want. And we offer full customization of this authentication flow. So if you have some obscure authentication flow where you send out a postcard with a code on it to all of your, all of your users and you want them to log in that way, you can, you can implement that using our uh, Lambda triggers. Uh, let's also talk about multi-factor authentication. So multi-authentication, Factor authentication enables you to add an additional step to verify your end user's identity. Um, the standard one that you may have seen is sending a quick SMS to your phone. You enter that code, and um, then you verify it additionally that you are who you say you are. 
we launched this week support now for software token-based MFA, so Google Authenticator and Authy, if you want to have um, support for those and you don't want to pay for SMSs and your end users may not have cell coverage so they can't get their SMS, uh, that's a, a great way to, um, to do that. It's also cheaper for you. And um, it enhances the security of your authentication attempts. It can be enabled at uh, both the user pool level and uh, you can have your end users opt in. So if you don't want to make it required, if, you're, if your app isn't so secure that you want your end users to be able to opt in, you can have them um, enable it if they want. So let's, let's talk about our, our first scenario. Let's say that you're developing some sort of finance app and um, you're securing some more sensitive resources and you want to be able to add a layer of security there. So our recommendation is that you turn on multi-factor authentication and you can choose required or optional as appropriate for your application. Um, you're gonna have to create an IAM role to go ahead and allow us to send SMS text messages on your behalf. Um, that's doable with one click in the console. And then you want to enable phone number verification. We don't send text messages unless the end user has verified their phone number to prevent spamming. Um, so with do's and don'ts, be sure to request a spending limit increase for SNS if you're using SMS. Uh, we only allow you to send maybe 50 or 100 text messages with the default limit, so make sure you get an increase there. And also, don't forget about the end user experience. If you're if you're making some app that doesn't have assets that need secure protection, uh, don't just turn on MFA for all of your users and make it required. Uh, next scenario is, is device tracking. So let's say that uh, you want to enable MFA, but if a user is using a device that they've previously used, you don't want to prompt them for that second factor. So uh, to do that, you go ahead and you enable device tracking, remember device in the console. Uh, on the first sign in, our SDKs will go ahead and create an identifier in secret and store it securely on the device. And with subsequent logins, we will um, use that secret to authenticate the device. And via the SDK, we have a callback that allows you to get consent from your user if you, if you want to involve them in the process. So with do's and don'ts, um, as an admin, if you want to go ahead and see what devices a user has used to sign in, you can use our admin list devices API. And don'ts, uh, don't forget to enable MFA on your pool. Uh, the functionality is somewhat limited if you turn on device tracking without MFA because all you'll get to do is see what devices a user is signed in with. So our next scenario is uh, you want to put your users in groups to authorize access to various backend resources. You may have different types of users, administrators, and regular users. So our recommendation here is that you create a bunch of groups using the Amazon Cognito console, and you add your users to the groups using our various APIs. You can optionally create IAM roles to correspond with these groups. and once you do this, you'll uh, obtain a couple new claims in your ID tokens that you can use. Um, so we'll provide this Cognito groups claim, which contains all the groups that the user is in. If they're part of, if you've associated roles with those groups, we'll provide those as well. And we'll also tell you which role is preferred based on the precedence that you set. Um, so do's and don'ts. Go ahead and set precedence on those groups so that the service can decide which role to assume and we don't have to kick it out to you. If you have a conflict, you have to pick one or the other. And also, just to set expectations, um, by default, we only support up to 25 groups. So if you're looking for much more groups than that, we, it's a soft limit, we can raise it, but um, keep it in that ballpark. So um, now that you've authenticated your user, let's, let's do some, some authorization. So um, these tokens that we vend have all the claims. And with the last slide, I showed you that it has, has group information. Um, 
So you can use those. You, you basically validate the signature of the token, and you can go ahead and uh, use that for authorization. Um, if, you wanna, if you have an OAuth2-based server that understands scopes, you can associate scopes with uh, your app clients so that uh, it's much less effort to, uh, to do some work there. And if you're using something like a framework like Spring Security, you can, um, this is just a quick example here, you can create an authentication object using the claims from the ID token, and um, then you can use annotations to decide whether somebody has access or not to an API. Um, by far the simplest way of doing this is not to use a third-party library, but to use API Gateway. There's a simple checkbox in API Gateway that allows you to enter your user pool information and have it out of the box validate the tokens and make sure that only users of your user pool can, can access your APIs. So our recommendation is you, you check that checkbox, you have your users sign in using user pools and get tokens, and then when you make interactions with API Gateway, you set that ID token as the authorization header when you make the request. So uh, this week we launched a couple new advanced security features that I'd like to detail here. We now detect compromised credentials and we can do adaptive authentication when we detect risks. So let's go into that a little bit deeper. Um, with compromised credentials, um, because your users are creatures of habit and they tend to reuse the same password across multiple websites, when a site gets compromised elsewhere on the web and an attacker has their username and password, then you become involved because they may try and attack your user pool as well using that same um, set of credentials. So we're able to detect when uh, a user is signing up or signing in using uh, credentials that have been compromised elsewhere, and we, through a more secure back channel, we can reset their password or just block their access directly. You get to choose what you want to do in those scenarios. Um, and then with adaptive authentication, we're also able to detect, based on history for your users, whether they're signing in from a new location or a new device, um, or whether there's been a lot of failures from a particular IP address, and we allow you to customize this uh, support so you can basically take different action based on the risk and add an additional verification step to the user. And we also allow you to whitelist and blacklist IP ranges. So if you don't want to, from a corporate network, add this protection, you want to let everything through, you can do something like that. And uh, we offer some reporting functionality with this feature. You can send emails to your users when there's suspicious activity. You can view metrics in CloudWatch to see what threats we detected. And you can also see recent sign-in activity for your users. And finally, no authentication is <laughs> is complete without signing out. So we also offer the ability to sign out your users. A couple of ways of doing that. If you're using our hosted UI, uh, our APIs have a, have a method to sign out. But if you're just hitting a, a, our hosted UI through a web browser, we offer a logout URI. Details are there. And if you're using our native SDKs, you can use global sign out. And if you're an administrator and you want to sign out one of your users from all their devices, we offer that admin user global sign out API. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Sanjeev, who's going to pick up and tell you about some of the features that make user pools simple. Hi, everybody. So uh, before we go on, just wanted to get a quick sense of what kinds of apps you build or you manage, um, whether you build consumer-oriented B2C apps, or is it more like business-to-business, -business, uh, B2B kinds of apps? So how many of you build or manage apps that are targeted at consumers? If you could raise your hands. OK, that's a pretty good population. And how many of you build business-to-business -business apps where, OK, that's 
pretty good. So about evenly divided. Okay. Um, so the good news is we've got a bunch of things for both consumer-oriented as well as business or enterprise-oriented apps. So Dave talked about how we've got all these wonderful security features, and really, like Warner said today, uh, security is the top priority, and it's something that is the most critical thing for your apps and when you build it on AWS for us. Um, however, if security comes with a lot of effort, if it's going to make you do a whole bunch of development work in order to secure your app, or if your users are going to have to jump through a bunch of hoops in order to make sure that they're secure, then that's not such a great solution. In fact, then we, we have a tendency or a temptation to kind of ignore security. So I'll talk about a few things that actually make it easy to make your app secure and reduce the amount of development work that you need to do, as well as reduce the amount of um, work that your users have to do. So to start with, like Dave said, uh, we've got uh, hosted UIs. So in your app, you don't need to build those UIs if you don't want to. Um, you do have the capability if you want to build your own UIs, of course. But to get started with, this is probably the simplest way, where you just let Cognito create the UIs for sign up and sign in. And then the related flows, like a self-service way for users to reset their password if they forget their password, as well as screen to do uh, multi-factor authentication, where they can enter an SMS code or the one-time generated password. So all of these UIs are provided by Cognito, and they can be customized. So you can actually change the logos. You can change the CSS and colors and things like that. These UIs also support federation. So uh, we'll talk about that in a couple of minutes. Um, if you have your user sign in using Facebook and so on, you can have them, again, go through this UI, and the UI will essentially redirect them to Facebook. So uh, with all of these things, and again, this is for both consumer users as well as enterprise users, um, those pictures on the screen are some of the examples of uh, things that you can do. Um, so how do you use these UIs? Uh, well, you can use a Cognito Auth SDK. And this is really a lightweight SDK that doesn't involve the rest of the AWS uh, SDK functionality. And uh, it provides just a very simple API. You can give it your user pool domain and a couple of other bits of information. And then it'll essentially create, and it'll pop up, for example, in an iOS or Android app. It'll pop up the sign-in UI in a web view in iOS or in um, Chrome custom tabs in Android. And um, once you do this, uh, then the user's taken through the flows. At the end of it, you just get the tokens back in your app. So it's a very simple way to do this. Um, now, um, on the do side, I've mentioned about using API Gateway. So especially if you're allowing Cognito to manage your UIs for sign up and sign in, um, you're well on the way to creating a very good serverless app. And so we then suggest using API Gateway so that you don't need, to, and Lambda, of course, so that then you don't need to um, set up servers for the rest of your app. And so this is a great way to have a serverless app that has all of the sign up and sign in capability built in. Um, now, like I said, if you want to build your own native UI for sign up and sign in, um, then you should not use the auth SDK, but there's another SDK that you can use to do that. And I'll uh, mention the different kinds of SDKs uh, in a few minutes. Okay, um, so let's go on to how federation happens. Um, we've been talking about um, all of the wonderful things there. And but just to summarize why it's important, um, in general, what happens is that when you ask your users to sign up, that is register in your app, uh, that's a friction point. Um, you know, all of us, we just hate to go up on a website and type in all our information, create a new password, and of course we never remember the passwords, right? So uh, why bother our users with all that, right? Um, typically there's a pretty steep drop-off. Uh, many users just don't make it past the registration step for using your app. So we'll allow them to use their existing online identities, right? And uh, you could say that most users online today have an identity at either Facebook or Google or at Amazon if they shop online, right? And so Cognito then allows you to do all of that. Right? You don't have to do all the development effort of integrating these identity providers. So each of these talks a variation of OAuth, and if you did it yourself, you'd need to figure out how to construct the request messages and send it to them at the appropriate endpoint, and then parse the responses and exchange codes for tokens 
a whole bunch of things over there. And uh, uh, you know, if you had to do this, it's significant development effort. And so Cognito does this for you. And let's see how you can actually set this up. Uh, so these four steps are pretty much all you need to do, and it'll take you probably three or four minutes, right? So uh, this is an example of uh, doing it using Facebook, but it's the equivalent steps if you were using Google or login with Amazon. So essentially what you need to do is um, set up trust between Cognito and Facebook. So you tell Facebook about Cognito, and you tell Cognito about Facebook, right? And then they can exchange information to sign up the user or sign in the user. So the first step is you get your Facebook app ID and secret and put it into Cognito. The second step, you tell Facebook that here's the Cognito URL that Facebook needs to trust. So P Facebook, after signing in the user, will return some tokens or authorization codes to Cognito. And Facebook needs to know what's the URL, what's the trusted URL to which those codes and tokens need to be given. And so you need to set that up in Facebook. And then after doing that, you can map attributes that are provided by Facebook into Cognito user pool attributes. And this is a useful thing, especially if you have multiple identity providers. Let's say some of your users come in through Facebook and some, in, some come in through Amazon or some through Google. Now, each of these identity providers have different attributes for things like names and emails and so on. And in your app, if you have to write a bunch of code for each of these identity providers based on their attribute names for these common things, that's a bit of a pain. So instead, what you can do is set up the schema the way you want in Cognito user pools. So you can define your attributes in Cognito. And then your app just works with those. And that's the schema that your app knows. And then you can define the attribute mapping. So when Facebook sends over some attributes, you can map those into Cognito attributes. And the same for Google and Amazon. So that makes it pretty easy for you. Um, and you can, of course, uh, set up your multiplication clients and uh, have them access those attributes depending on what they need to do. So that's about it. Um, you know, it's fairly easy. Let's go on to the enterprise apps or business apps. How do business apps achieve federation? So the need for federation is similar for a business app. You don't want to make your business users register for a new account in your app. That's obviously friction for them. But there's also a security reason there. Your app, if it's a business app, has some confidential information about your customer organizations. And if a user is an employee of a customer, they can access that information. But once they are no longer an employee, once they leave that organization, they should not be able to access the information. Their account on your site should get disabled. And this is obviously very complicated to do. And if it's not done, then there's a risk of someone who's not an employee being able to access information that they're not supposed to. So the simplest thing to do here is to use the enterprise identity provider. Usually, many companies use Active Directory. Use that as a source of truth for who is an employee and who is not an employee. And there's a protocol called SAML, the Security Assertions Markup Language, which is the standard here for enabling federation with enterprise identity providers. And there are many products that expose the SAML interface over Active Directory. And Cognito integrates with SAML. So again, if you had to do this yourself, if you had to go and develop a SAML integration, it's fairly complex. It's an XML-based protocol. You need to construct the XML messages in the right format and use the appropriate bindings uh, over HTTP post and redirects. And that's significant work. So Cognito does that for you. And how you set it up is like this. It's similar kinds of steps like for the social identity providers. SAML makes it slightly easier to set up the trust between Cognito and the SAML identity provider. Uh, SAML defines an XML metadata file. And you get that from the SAML identity provider and upload that to Cognito. Or you give Cognito a URL from which it can download that metadata. And then, of course, you've got to go to the SAML identity provider and give it the Cognito URL so that it knows that uh, Cognito is a trusted service provider to which it can provide the assertions, the SAML assertions. And the rest of the steps are um, pretty similar. OK, so now uh, those of you who are engineers, developers, are wondering how does all this work, right? This is all kind of uh, very high level. So let's get a little into detail. Let's kind of get um, into how a mobile app or a web app actually authenticates at time with Cognito using federation. So first step is your app makes a request to your backend service, right? 
user opens the app and they're accessing some part of the app that needs authentication. And your backend service says, uh, I don't know who you are, go off to Cognito and get a ticket, and then I'll let you in. A ticket or a token, right? So your app is redirected to Cognito. And Cognito says, well, you've chosen to use Federation, so I'm going to send you off to another identity provider. Please go there and get a token and come back. So the user is re redirected to one of Facebook or Google or Amazon or for a business app, a SAML-based identity provider. And the user signs in over there using a password or whatever other authentication factor. And once that's done, um, it returns a code. So if you're using the OAuth authorization code flow, or in the case of SAML, a set of SAML assertions. And your app sends those assertions back to Cognito. Again, these are all HTTP redirects and posts. Cognito then has to validate the assertion. If it's a SAML assertion, it's signed. And in the metadata uh, that, that you provided while setting up the trust, there is a key. There's a public key. And Cognito validates the signature using that. Or in the case of OAuth, uh, Cognito actually makes a request to Facebook or Google or Amazon to validate the code and get information, the attributes about the user, whatever the user has consented to. And after that, uh, Cognito creates tokens. And these are in the standard JSON web token format, JWT, um, again, as defined by the OpenID Connect standard. And Cognito returns those tokens to your app. So now your app is signed in. It can send a request, again, to your backend web service. Usually, it just happens by a redirect from Cognito back to your backend service. And your service checks those tokens, validates the signatures, decides what the user is allowed to do based on the claims inside the token, like Dave was saying, uh, based on groups or other attributes. And then um, it re your, your service returns uh, whatever response it had to return. Now, these eight steps might look kind of complicated, but that's just because it's all under the covers what's happening. In reality, you can just use the auth SDK, and it takes care of all of these for you. OK? Let's go on, go on to one enterprise use case here. So if you're building an app and you've got many business customers, which are enterprises, um, each of them has their own identity provider. So how does Cognito know where a user should go? right? And so Cognito knows that by the email domain. So you can configure an identifier for each identity provider. And the identifier is the email domain. So when you sign up, when a user comes in to sign up, uh, they see this uh, little UI. Um, you can, of course, customize the UI. But essentially, it's just got an email address field over there. There's no password field there. User types in the email address and then clicks that sign in button. And they get sent off to their company's identity provider. So Cognito checks the email domain, maps it to an identity provider. Cognito knows the URL of the identity provider and sends the user off there. And the rest of it uh, happens as usual. <coughs> Uh, now, if you have multiple apps, so let's say you're a business and you have multiple products, you have multiple channels for interacting with your customers, you want a single user identity for your customers across all of those apps. Right? You don't want your user experience to be fragmented. You want your user profile and preferences and history and all of those things to be uh, unified. So what you can do is create a single user pool. You don't need to have one user pool for each app. So with a single user pool, all your users are in that user pool. And you can have multiple apps which access the user pool and use the user pool for authentication. So what you can do then is for each app, you can choose what it should access, what attributes it can read or write, what kinds of authentication flows each app um, should be able to use. Right? So once you do all of these things, Cognito can then take care of the SSO. So the first app signs in the user. The first app that a user accesses signs in the user by sending the user to Cognito. And once the user is signed in, Cognito stores that information in a cookie. And then subsequently, additional apps that want to sign in the user, when they go to Cognito, Cognito says, OK, you're signed in, and sends the user directly back with tokens to the app. So that way, for the user, there's less friction. And for you, uh, as, a as a developer, um, you have a, a, a more unified user profile. OK, so those are all wonderful features in terms of security and ease of use. But then you're wondering, well, I've already got a user directory. I have a database. I have an authentication service 
or an identity provider. And what am I going to do now? How am I going to move those users over to Cognito? We've got a couple of ways to do that. And um, let's go through how you would do that. So one way you can do that is kind of do a bulk migration. So essentially what this involves is you take a dump of all the users from your existing identity provider, and you can put that in a CSV file. There's a specific format. You have one row per user, and all the attributes as columns in the CSV file. And then you upload that to Cognito. So Cognito does give you information on how that migration process is going. It sends you logs to your CloudWatch account, so you'll know how the migration went and were there any issues or did it complete successfully. Now, once this is done, your users can start using a new app, a new iOS or Android or web app, and they need to go ahead and reset their passwords. And that's because Cognito cannot import passwords. Right? We obviously don't store passwords uh, in the clear, and neither should you be storing passwords in the clear. So passwords cannot be imported. And Cognito would send the user a verification message to their email or phone number, and then go ahead and allow the user to reset their password. So this is easy for you. You just do a one-time import, but it's a little complicated for the user. So how do we make it a little simpler for the end user? right? So now, if you don't want your users to reset their password, there's a couple of variations of how you can do this. Um, the option one on the screen over here, um, what you essentially do is uh, oops, um, set up a little Lambda-based migration service. So this Lambda-based migration service kind of proxies your existing identity provider. And your existing app is just using your existing authentication APIs, your login APIs, to send the username and password to your identity provider. But you've got this little Lambda that is essentially um, getting that, calling your existing identity provider, making sure the user is authenticated, and then creating the user. So step three over here, the Lambda calls Cognito through a backend API and creates the user along with their password. Right? And then, of course, the user can start using the new app. So you could have a point in time when both apps are being used, and that's perfectly fine. Um, the second option is that if you don't want to modify your backend, you can modify your mobile app or your web app. Right? So over here, in the second option, your mobile app is modified. It first goes and logs in using your existing identity provider, and then calls your Lambda. Obviously, the calls to Lambda go through API Gateway. So once the Lambda has got the password, it can go ahead and create the user in Cognito, and then the user can start using the new app using the Cognito user pool. So this is a fairly seamless way, but it involves a little bit of uh, development effort on your side. And we're obviously looking for feedback on how we could make it even more easy to do all of these migration steps in your particular use case. So uh, do reach out if uh, you have other ideas. Cool. So we talked about security, simplicity. Let's talk about how Cognito is flexible enough to handle many different kinds of use cases. And one way Cognito does that is by using AWS Lambda to call into your code at different points in the authentication and registration workflows. So here, what we are trying to do is give you the ability to tweak these workflows based on your requirements. Obviously, we've got a bunch of built-in flows, which hopefully should work and uh, be sufficient for most of your use cases. But we do have a bunch of customers who got uh, all kinds of uh, interesting ways that they want to do authentication. Um, so um, these lambdas are called by Cognito. So you've got to create the lambda functions, um, provide the code, and then configure Cognito to call those lambdas depending on which particular point in the workflow you want to customize. So uh, some of these um, allow you to create a custom authentication flow. I'll come to that in a minute. Um, there's the uh, authentication uh, events um, before and after authentication, and before token generation. And then, of course, before and after sign-up, uh, there are uh, flows over there. So for example, before sign-up, you could check if the user has a particular offer code or um, access code or something like that. And after sign up, maybe you want to send some analytics events to your analytics backend, or maybe send the user a welcome message after they've signed up. So you can do all of those things um, from your Lambdas. And you can, of course, also customize um, the SMS and email messages that uh, Cognito sends for uh, signups and MFAs and things like that. Let's take an example. 
So an uh, example of uh, customizing the tokens. Um, so like Dave described, uh, Cognito gives you these identity tokens at the end of authentication, right? And inside those tokens, there are claims. Now, in these claims, there are uh, various attributes that you can control using this Lambda. So in this uh, Lambda, you can put additional claims. You can get information from your own backends. So let's say that uh, you have a scenario where um, you've got some profile information in your own database. And you don't want every time on every request to your backend services that there's a query to your backend database. You'd prefer that some of those critical claims be in the token. So that, and the token's generated just once every while, right? Every time you authenticate a user or every time you refresh the token, so it's somewhat of a rare event compared to having hundreds or thousands of requests that a user might make with a single token. So uh, you can put those claims in the token by creating a Lambda function. Um, so here's some example code. So uh, over here, uh, access code is just an example of something that you might want to fetch from your backend or generate. And uh, in the Lambda, you would supply the claims that you want to add or that you want to override in your token um, using this kind of an object over here. And you can also similarly uh, list the claims that you want to suppress. So by default, Cognito includes attributes that are in the Cognito user pool profile. And if you don't want some app to access all those attributes, you can suppress those attributes. Okay, um, let's go on to how you would customize authentication flows. So here again, uh, there are Lambda functions. There's three of them. Um, there's the define auth challenge lambda, and that gives you control in terms of deciding what is the next challenge that you want to send to your user. And this uh, function can decide if the user has already signed in, if they've satisfied your security requirements, or if you want to just block them because they have failed the challenges, or if you want to present another challenge to them. Now, once this function has decided what to do, the next function creates the information for the challenge. So let's say your challenge is a secret question. And you could actually go and fetch the secret question or generate it and send it off to the user. And then the third Lambda function is a verify auth challenge, which can verify the answer. So the verify auth challenge essentially is using um, information in the private challenge parameters. So this private challenge parameter has the answer to the question. And this is inserted by the create or challenge lambda. So the create or challenge lambda gets the question and the answer, puts the answer into the private challenge parameters, which is encrypted, and so the end user cannot see it. And, and then the verify or challenge is given the answer, and then it can actually compare and check if the authentication succeeded or not. And once the user passed the challenge or failed the challenge, um, the flow goes back to your define or challenge. So it's a kind of a loop, and then you can control how many times you want to trouble the user with more and more uh, authentication factors. Um, so over here, um, um, there are SDKs that help you with this, um, uh, the, the challenge process. But obviously, we'd not recommend having too many of these challenges. Um, um, and of course, your lambdas uh, need to have bounded runtime. Um, Cognito will stop waiting after a few seconds. Um, I've mentioned several SDKs, and uh, just to clarify which SDK to use when, this little picture should help. So depending on what kind of app you're trying to build, we've got an SDK for it, right? So if you're building an app which has a native UI, you would use the AWS mobile SDK for iOS and Android, and that has the Cognito identity management, identity provider functionality. So all the user pool functionality is in there. If you have your own app and a web app with a native UI, and again, you would use the mobile SDK for JavaScript. If you're okay with the Cognito hosted UI, like I said, it's a much lighter weight and simpler SDK there, and we call that the Cognito auth SDK. And similarly, even for a web app that you want to use the hosted UI, you just use the auth SDK. Um, on your backend side, from your backend, if you want to call Cognito APIs, there's the usual AWS SDKs for all the languages. Um, it's obviously not just Java, it's uh, all the languages that you would want. 
So, um, so we've got you covered in terms of um, accessing the APIs uh, and functionality of Cognito, depending on what kind of app that you're building. Let's quickly find out about how we have the flexibility to get credentials for AWS resources. So uh, like Dave mentioned in the beginning, there's user pools and there's identity pools. And you typically use identity pools if you want to get credentials to access an AWS resource, including for an unauthenticated user. So you can do that here uh, with the identity pool APIs. Essentially what you do is exchange your token, which you've got from some identity provider, including Cognito user pools or any other identity provider, and get credentials for it. And What's good about this is that you can actually map the role inside those AWS credentials based on the attributes that came from the identity provider. So let's say your identity provider um, gave you some attributes uh, such, which enable you to decide if it's a normal user or a premium user. And let's say you've got some premium content that only a premium user can access. So that information is there in the identity token that you got from the identity provider, such as from Cognito user pools, and you can map that to an IAM role. And that IAM role only allows access to certain content, let's say in S3, to premium users. And uh, that way you can ensure that uh, you maintain security, but at the same time you have the flexibility to do all the role mapping. Okay, um, we're going to go on to a demo now. We have a few minutes, and uh, Dave's going to show you how all this works. Uh, it's uh, all real, of course, and we launched a bunch of new things this week that we'd like to show you. All right, so our first demo, we're just going to demo this custom authentication flow. So imagine you have a scenario where you, instead of having the user remember their username and password, you just want to send a code to their phone. They enter the code, and they're in. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put in a fake phone number here. I've hard-coded it to my phone number because I... Don't really want you guys calling me tonight, but um, let's just put in a number here. We'll go ahead and submit. It's going to go ahead and invoke a Lambda function that should send me a text message. I entered that code that I just got on my phone. And I'm in, so I have tokens. Um, I've masked my phone number here, but this is a very simple profile with just a phone number. All right, um, how that's implemented. Uh, again, Sanjeev talked about this, this uh, set of Lambda triggers. The first one is what decides what the next challenge is. So uh, the first time through, we say, hey, we want you to do this custom challenge. Um, Here's the code that actually implements sending a text message via SNS. So we generate, uh, what's my mouse? All right, we generate a, a random code. We create an SNS object. We send that code using SNS to the phone number for the user profile. And then we embed that uh, code in the session in the private challenge parameters so that when we verify the challenge, we can resurrect what was embedded in there and compare it and decide whether the answer was correct or not. All right, so that's that demo. Let's go ahead and, and do one more here. So for this demo, I'm going to try and demonstrate adaptive authentication. So I'm going to authenticate with a couple of different apps and, and websites, and I have one that I've never authenticated before. So uh, let's go ahead and log in here. So this is our hosted UI. I haven't customized it at all. I just spent a minute throwing it together. You see you get this, this domain here. I'm going to go ahead and sign in. And it's going to redirect you to whatever website you've configured here. I'm just redirecting to the AWS website. And you can see, as part of the URL, I've got the token. So you can get that token out when it redirects into your, in your website. So now I'm going to. Switch to Xcode here, and I'm going to pretend like I'm in an iOS app. All 
Let's try that again. Sometimes it gets a little bit show shy. Okay, so this is uh, using our native SDKs. There's a lot more code here. I've actually created all of these text fields and buttons, hooked them up. So I'm going to go ahead and sign in here. And I've signed in using this app before, so should just go ahead and let me in. And once again, here's, here's my user profile. So then I'm going to sign in using an app that I haven't signed in before. Um, we have another, another app. This one's using our hosted UI. And I can show you real quick how little code there is here. So this is the whole code for the entire app. Go ahead and run it. It's using our hosted UI. Go ahead and sign in. And because it's a new device, it's going to go ahead and send me a text message. All right, I'm in. Uh, Let's show you real quick a little bit of behind the scenes. Let's see if I might need to reauthenticate here. So here's how we've configured the advanced security feature. You can see that um, we want to require MFA based on the risk here. And in this screen, you can kind of see for this user, I've, I've scrolled down because I don't want to reveal my phone number again, but um, you can see kind of these sign-in attempts that were made. So let's switch back here. So that was our demo. Um, once again, we talked about in this session how you can use user pools, and it's secure, it's simple, and it's flexible. And if you want to get started, uh, this is a great link to start. Um, it has links to our getting started guides, our documentation, links to our forums where you can interact with us directly. And if you're on Stack Overflow, just tag your post with Amazon Cognito. We're, we're always looking at that. Um, if you're in one of our overflow rooms, we have uh, Cognito engineers in the Venetian and in the MGM overflow room that can help answer questions after the session. And we'll, both me and Sanjeev will be here to help answer any questions that you might have. Um, so thank you for everything. And please give us some feedback. Again, our session ID is SID332.